Fantastical Truth from Lorehaven has begun Season 3. As we exit the holidays, we are echoing another live stream replay from earlier last month. Marion Jacobs and James R. Hannibal join us again, not just to discern the nonsense and nastiness in fantasy stories like we did last time, but to thank God for the chance to find great stories and receive them with thanksgiving and holiness. That is our mission at Lorehaven, especially with the Lorehaven Guild now open for fantastical community and monthly book quests starting this Saturday. Welcome anew to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com, where we find the best Christian-made fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. We apply the meanings of these stories to the real world that Jesus Christ calls us to serve. I'm E. Stephen Burnett. I publish lorehaven.com. I'm also the co-author of a nonfiction book about fiction called The Pop Culture Parent. And this is episode 93, How Can We Behold Fantastical Fiction Glories in YA Fantasy and Beyond? And I'm Zachary Russell. Zachary Russell's not here. Unfortunately, actually, fortunately for him, he is still Christmasing uh, as of this recording. Uh, in fact, Christmas is still going, at least if you're listening to this episode on the uh, revised release day of Wednesday, January the 5th, 2022. Christmas has a few days left. Epiphany, part of the traditional 12 days of Christmas celebration. That is day 12, and it's on Thursday, January the 6th. So, if you're listening to this podcast now, hopefully you've got a little bit of that Christmas spirit left. I think Zach has some Christmas spirit left, but he also attended a major conference right after the Christmas holiday. That's why we adjusted our recording schedule just a little bit. We originally planned to have that episode out in late December, and we decided to make that the first episode of 2022 in January after all. Also going on at Lorehaven, I've been very busy over the break, but I've enjoyed myself immensely uh, polishing up, uh, sweeping out, uh, putting in the last finishing touches of the Lorehaven Guild. That's our new Discord server. We're building a more immediate Lorehaven community there. Uh, many, many members already have uh, portaled in, uh, jumped in, uh, flown in via dragon, spaceship, any other fantastical means of transport. Uh, after our opening day on New Year's Day, January the 1st. This is uh, from the article that I put up when we opened the Lorehaven Guild. We'll, of course, include all those links in the show notes, along with that very important detail that the Lorehaven Guild is exclusive to those who subscribe free to Lorehaven. To do that, you just go to lorehaven.com and to do it more uh, detailed, you can go to lorehaven.com slash subscribe. Anyway, here is the announcement. Behold, the Lorehaven Guild is now open. Hark! As of New Year's Day 2022, we have opened the Lorehaven Guild community exclusive to free subscribers. We are keeping the Castle Cappuccino hot for you, available in three fantastical flavors thus far, mocha, vanilla, and caramel. Breaking the quote just a moment, uh, it turns out that many of our members are not that fond of cappuccino. They are part of the tea cult. Yes, there is a growing tea cult so large and so expansive that we shouldn't even call it a cult. Uh, that's insulting. Uh, the tea religion, rather. Uh, they'll, they'll like that. They'll like being called a religion. I think we appointed Parker J. Cole, the castle tea keeper, and uh, Tisha as well, uh, our newest, uh, one of our newest Lorehaven reviewers. She's also proven to be quite the, uh, quite the purveyor of a fascinating herbal tea blend. So all virtual, of course. As you'll see in a moment, the, uh, the fantasy role play type thing is uh, pretty common now in the guild. There is a little bit more uh, from the press release here about the Lorehaven Guild. The Lorehaven Guild serves a community of heroes who gather to celebrate Christian-made fantastical fiction with delight and discernment. These stories include, but are not limited to, fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. Heroes of the Guild will explore their favorite creative works in these genres. 
we will focus on Christian-made stories, yet occasionally include general market books. Guild heroes can join monthly main quest parties that travel into the fantastical worlds of new books. We will explore these stories' beauty, goodness, and truth, and opposites, applying their meanings to the real world of our ultimate author. Heroes can also join occasional side quests parties that travel into other books, such as older Christian-made stories or general market novels. How do you join the Lorehaven Guild? Subscribe free to Lorehaven. We will send you the exclusive invitation link. Then use the Discord app or your browser to enter the Lorehaven Guild. Once inside the Guild, you can browse the Lorehaven Sacred Scrolls faith statement. Now, this one only applies to Lorehaven staff creators. Then you'll sign off on the Code of Honor. This one applies to all Guild members. Once you finish, enter the Great Hall and pass into the Guild itself. And by the way, if you're listening to this before Saturday, January the 8th, that's the date we're planning to start our first book quest. We figured we'd start with a book that a lot of people are familiar with and probably already own. Of course, C.S. Lewis is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. After all, whenever we interview a fantastic author here, we have to ask them first, uh, how did you discover Christian faith and fantasy? And uh, that's just another way of saying, when did you make Aslan your lion and savior? So we're going to explore this story, the first Chronicle of Narnia from C.S. Lewis. Not exactly sure how we'll do that, especially with the busyness of a month after the holidays, but stop by the Guild and find out. Never too late to join, even if you make it in after Saturday, January the 8th. We will include all those links in the show notes, including the ever-important subscribe link for Lorehaven. Also shared over the holidays at Lorehaven, several resources, including finally an FAQ page. Uh, we collected 12 of the most common questions that we hear at Lorehaven, and we assembled some fantastical answers. So you'll find that FAQ page, fantastical answers to questions, that is. We also assembled a crew manifest, uh, putting together all the Lorehaven staff creators as of this date, and everybody who's on our Lorehaven review team, you can Go see their smiling faces, get to know them a little bit better if you wish. And then also an update about Speculative Faith. Uh, that is the original blog from which Lorehaven arose. Uh, Specfaith started in 2006, actually. And there's a lot of history there that I go over in this article. But unfortunately, the title is, Yes, Speculative Faith is Closed, at least for now. Uh, listen to the end of this episode and you'll hear some feedback about that. And I might share one or two other thoughts. Uh, for any other thoughts about that, of course, uh, you can email us here at the podcast, uh, podcast at lorehaven.com. Our first sponsor for this episode is The Tethered World from Mountain Brook Fire. This is a YA fantasy for readers who like clean reads and family stories, so Mountain Brook Fire tells us. But the author of the story is Heather L.L. Fitzgerald. Here is the plot description. Normal means different things to different people. For 16-year-old Sadie Larson, family dynamics look a little different than most. Parents with oddball occupations, normal. Five homeschooled siblings, one with autism, normal. Police knocking on the door and parents gone missing, definitely not normal. When Sadie uncovers the reasons behind her parents' disappearance and the truth about her heritage, she despairs of ever feeling normal again, especially when she learns that her mother's interest in Bigfoot, dwarves, and other lore extends beyond her popular blog. Sadie's family has been entrusted with keeping the secrets of the tethered world home to creatures that once roamed the Garden of Eden. Sadie and her siblings must venture into this land to rescue their parents. Stepping out of reality and into a world she never knew existed is a journey Sadie fears and resents, but she chooses to risk all to save her family. She's just not sure she will survive in the process. Get that full description, the book cover, and purchase links at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors, or go to the show notes for episode 93 to get that link. 
All right, let's get to the main event, our featured presentation for this episode, namely the live stream that we shared at Realm Makers in December last year, just a whole year ago. We called it Behold the Fantastic Glories Redeeming YA Fantasy, and this is the description we had for that. Feeling a bit Middle-earthy all of this month, I can't imagine why. The world is changed. We feel it in the earth. We smell it in the air. It's no longer positive or neutral, but negative toward Christianity. How can we find the best fantastical stories that reflect gospel goodness, truth, and beauties in these novel worlds? Rejoin Lorehaven, Z. Stephen Burnett, and Marion Jacobs, as well as James R. Hannibal. Thanking God for faithful fiction this year. I think we'll put the video playback link in the show notes. Uh, that's at the Realm Makers channel at Crowdcast, so you can see all of us there along with the chat at the time and uh, i don't know if the poll still works there but we had a poll for a while uh we should be doing another one of these if not this month which is very busy and there's covid and everything you know maybe next month we'll see anyway now enjoy behold the fantastic glories redeeming ya fantasy well here we are again merry christmas seasons greetings happy holidays and etc Welcome again to the Realm Makers live stream, courtesy of our allies and friends at the Realm Sphere. This one is entitled Behold, the Fantastic Glories Redeeming YA Fantasy, sequel to our show from, what was that? That was back in October, right? It was before Thanksgiving, right? Even before Halloween? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yes. So this here is author James R. Hannibal, lately of Wolf Soldier, which released in October. And he's got it. He's got it. You've got it back there, right? You've got the hardcover from Wolf Soldier nearby. I, I do. It's covered up by Bear Knight, uh, the manuscript. So okay. There, there we go. Oh, 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 we get the sneak preview there. Okay. Actually, if he holds it upside down. That means he's in distress. So we don't want to break the code there. So no, that's James R. Hannibal. And this is uh, my friend, Marion Jacobs. Well, James is also my friend, but Marion Jacobs, uh, who writes for Lorehaven. She writes steampunk with Pinocchio, all sorts of cool stuff. Marion, great to have you. James, great to have you. We're doing it again. We're doing a sequel. Yeah, it's good to be here. Awesome. I'm excited. Uh, how's, how's the Christmas prep going for you guys, by the way? I'm running around the house in a wheelchair, so it's a little bit different. Okay. You know? <laughs> You're rolling around the house yeah. in a wheelchair. Still, still doing this number. Yeah, yeah, just like Professor X. So, uh, by the way, folks are trickling in to the auditorium here. Uh, it's a very cavernous space, but there may be only a few stragglers sitting in the front rows. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just lining up. They're uh, pouring out the windows outside. Just make sure as you make your way in to uh, scooch down to the center, leave plenty of space for those uh, who are late in arriving. And you see over there to your right here uh, for the crowdcast, there is a chat box over there. You can talk while we're talking. It's perfectly fine and acceptable. Uh, a few other things you can do. Click up there where it says Realm Makers Follow. Make sure you hit that button. Then if you do, you will get notified if you wish anytime that Realm Makers goes live with another live stream. You can also go down there to the bottom green button down there. Sign up for Lorehaven. It is a free subscription. You get the new articles every week. Uh, new reviews every Friday and new Fantastical Truth podcast episodes every Tuesday. Uh, if something comes up, you have a question while we're exploring our topic this evening, you can type it in down there, ask a question. 
We also have a poll going on right now. A few of you have already voted there. How many great fantastical novels did you read in 2021? I can't really vote on it myself. Um, I guess if I did vote, um, you know, actually, folks, I'm thinking that for me, it's probably between 11 and 20. I'm running a little bit low this year. Uh, that's partly because I've also read plenty of nonfiction and such. But that is our main topic tonight. As you may have seen in the description, uh, we uh, completely appropriated the Fellowship of the Ring uh, monologue opening. The world has changed. We feel it in the earth. Insert creepy, whispering, elvish hair. We smell it in the air. Our world, as we discussed in our last episode, is not real as positive or neutral toward Christianity. We are now living in a negative world in a lot of ways, uh, particularly in the United States. When you get closer to the coasts, I think the stereotype is true. Uh, there's a lot more cultural pressure, uh, not just to ignore Christianity or give it the side eye, uh, but to actually reject and dislike Christianity. And that makes its way to the types of fantasy novels that we see, especially from general market publishers, YA novels, uh, we talked about that, Marion and James, uh, some of the issues that we're running into, uh, even uh, not just among Christians, but secular parents now are going to public school meetings, especially leading up to the election in the United States and going, what is this blankety blank on my shelf? And some of them got a little mean about it, but you can see where some of this pent up frustration is coming from. Just real quick, before we move into the more positive correction, uh, praising the good stuff and talking about how we can receive good stories with Thanksgiving, uh, have either of y'all had any thoughts about that discussion afterwards? Like maybe, oh, I wish I'd said that, or like, well, I actually read this even more terrible book. It's worse than we thought. Like, uh, James, I'll start with you. <laughs> Anything that you thought after that uh, discussion we had uh, here on the live stream? Uh, what well, you know? What what I have kind of goes towards the towards our our discussion for tonight. I'm not uh, I'm not in a very positive mood or state of mind after the year we've had, um, and so I think just sticking with the uh, the the Frodo theme or the the uh, Lothlorien theme that uh, we started with, um, one by one they will turn. One by one mm. they will foist the world's values upon you, and you know of whom I speak. And this is no longer just in the non-Christian publisher world. No, that's true. Um, I saw some news the other day that made me a little disappointed. I won't get into that, but yeah, that is kind of a big, uh, big snack from the concession stand right now. A really healthy item we have to get. A big stalk of broccoli or celery or something. You're not even going to be able to dip that in ranch dressing. This is just uh, something we have to consume here is this concession that we can't dress things up and pretend that everything is positive. I think that's part of being a good Christian fan of fantasy is we are not trying to escape into an imaginary world and stay there. Uh, the purpose of good, healthy fantasy is to re-equip you to confront and engage with the real world, uh, having entered a fantasy world to see it from a different angle. Um, Marion, are, are you also feeling a little bit more uh, negative uh, as, as we enter this? <laughs> how, how do you feel after that last discussion? Um, yeah, uh, honestly, I, I think I'm on the same page. Uh, as far as that goes, I, I, uh, I would even echo some of those same thoughts in um, something, a discussion I was just having with my husband earlier today about um, Matthew 10, 16, you know, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And uh, really thinking about how that pertains to us as readers and writers. And, um, I think, um, that we have, and he just said, you know, we've lost, we have some of the world's shrewdness and we've lost our innocence. 
And um, mm-hmm. so I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm on the same page as far as that goes. So, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Did either of y'all perchance happen to see um, the Lorehaven article yesterday? Um, my friend Mike Duran had written about a, a secular attack uh, on a Christian fantasy publisher uh, and a Christian fantasy writer. Uh, but then also today, um, Josiah DeGraff had an article about uh, Duke Leto from Dune and how he tries to stay noble and hold on to uh, the virtues of a good man, uh, despite having this this evil galactic empire uh, coming after his family. And ultimately, you know, spoilers, bad stuff happens uh, to uh, Duke Leto, but uh, you can still see how heroic he was uh, despite the onslaught. Uh, either of y'all see any of those articles? I have. I know what you're talking about. I have not seen the article. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I heard uh, about be half something... of the one from today, and I I missed okay. yesterday. So. Yeah, yeah, but I think it was kind of um a, a kind of a one-two punch. You know, uh, Mike being you know a little bit more um I don't want to say militant, but definitely up for the confrontation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Josiah's reminder the next day, like it's just how it kind of shook out there, is you got kind of that reminder of. Hey, we're up against some really hard stuff. Uh, it's not just a matter of Christians be really, really good and make the best stories you can. And then everybody will sit up and go, whoa, I guess Jesus is pretty cool. Like some people will do that. But increasingly, uh, publishers, as we talked about in our last episode, uh, don't just have in the in the sense of idols. They don't just have the idol of money. They're not just trying to make money with their books, but they also trade in the currency of uh, moral supremacy. And right now, any uh, almost all uh, signs of Judeo-Christian morality have departed those cultural spheres and, and they're trading in, you know, different religions. Uh, that's where they get the morality from. So, so that's happening. Um, and, and yet Christians are commanded, I think from scripture, uh, not just from Dune, uh, to behave like Christ and then also behave like a, a good, good Duke, a good father, uh, in, in the case of the Duke Leto character, uh, and continue to, pursue new nobility you know even if we know there are real enemies uh, out there um we we must imitate our savior and must not uh, fight this battle as the world fights it we have other strategies and one of them i think and moving on toward uh, toward tonight's main topic uh, one of them is i think a spirit of thankfulness whenever we do find good stories whenever we do find um, positive portrayals of Christianity, generally from fantasy or YA fantasy from Christian authors. Uh, and yet, as one of my favorite uh, scripture texts encourages us, uh, the point is not to um, the point is not to just be entertained. Uh, we don't just find the story and pick it up and go, oh, that's a great distraction. I'm entertained for a while. Uh, one of my favorite texts is 1 Timothy 4, uh, which talks about the dangers that Christians can encounter in the world then as now, uh, including but not limited to, in verse 1, uh, people who depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So the Apostle Paul here is not cleaning it up. He's being very blunt, very direct about what we're confronting. He goes on in verse 2, direct quote here, to say that this comes through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Uh, And then in verse 3, he talks about the types of lies they're confronting back then in the first century. These conscience-seared liars are forbidding good gifts of God, in this case specifically marriage and food. Uh, They're requiring abstinence from marriage and foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. 
And then I think one of my, I don't know if I call it a life verse or whatever, one of my favorite texts uh, about how we engage with stories is, uh, is to understand that the ability to make stories and share them comes from God. Just like I think marriage and food does. You can d- prove that from the Bible. And then in verse four, the apostle Paul says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. That's the quote from First Timothy chapter four, verses four through five. And at least that's how I approach good stories is, okay, this is good, but I need God's word and I need prayer. I need to be the one who's being made holy in order to enjoy this story. And then when a good one comes along, especially from a Christian author, um, it is a great blessing and a great act of thanksgiving for me, especially given the the very dark backdrop of all the nastier stories out there. So uh, I guess that leads me to ask Marion, you first, um, how many fantasy novels did you read this year? And did you find any really good ones? Um, so I, when I went and counted, uh, I actually just counted anything speculative um, and it added up to about 25 counting okay, the one okay. I'm currently reading, um, which is actually low for me. Um, I didn't have a great reading year this year, um, but, uh, and I would say um, 20 out of the 25 were Christian made, not necessarily in the Christian publishing, like maybe some of them are general market, but they were Christian made. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if I, any that were particularly stuck out to me, um, I would say, um, uh, I really enjoy, even though I find when I read this particular series, um, uh, I always think, well, I wouldn't have written it that way. (laughs) Um, and I, and I even like have some like disagreements about some of the content. It's still a very overall, very uplifting, hopeful series. Um, which is the Mark of the Raven by uh, uh, Morgan Bussey. So um, yeah, I, and I uh, actually reread that this year, but it's it's um, oh wow. I think I think uh, um, in her yeah in her um, the way that she approaches Christian fantasy and the and the and the spiritual elements really really enjoy the way that she did her world building and magic system in that regard. Yeah, I've read, I think the first one or two, I, I still need to finish it, but uh, I was able, actually able to get an advanced copy of her, of her first book. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can, I shared in that. I really enjoyed that. Um, James, over to you, like any, any good fantasy that stuck out to you that you were able to read and enjoy uh, without experiencing that professional authorial, well, here's how I would have done it, uh, <laughs> impulse. Well, I'm trying to uh, step away from that because I, I've spent so much time judging. Like I said, last year in the last episode, we talked yeah. about how I, I was you a judge for a major stuff, competition. Yeah. I had like a 200 book stack. Most of it was in YA mystery and thriller, but uh, a lot of publishers were, you know, there's a thing with these, even with the majors where they send out uh, books to like every award they can. And so, you know, I've got a stack of fantasy books in my mystery competition and, and, and that's, that's frustrating. So last year I read a bunch. Um, this year I was doing uh, a bunch of mystery thriller stuff at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I've had the privilege for the past several years of reading the murder. She wrote books before they come out. Um, and now I'm reading a, a, another series, uh, for, for that author. Um, 
but uh, in fantasy world, I probably read nine or 10 books this year, most of them unpublished or maybe half and half. Morgan Bussey's uh, Sky World series. Uh, what is that? Secrets in the Mist. Um, yeah, it's a yeah, really Enclave, interesting Oxford. take on airships and uh, the, the whole paragliding thing is, is pretty cool. The, 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 the social dynamics in that story um, in between classes um, are really interesting. So that's one I, I recommend. Um, and it, it's going to sound self-serving here because everything I'm going <laughs> to recommend almost is Enclave. Um, but that's where I'm at in the world, uh, facing major Christian publishers, taking a turn to the dark side. Um, publishing foul language, going, uh, encouraging um, us to be saved by recognizing our whiteness rather than Christ. Um, I, when you ask me where, where where is it safe to read good fantasy and speculative fiction, I, there's one place I know, and that's Steve Lobby's Enclave. Um, there's a, there's if I can't trust Steve Lobby, I don't know who I can trust um, to put out uh, theologically sound Christian worldview fiction that is edifying and uplifting. Um, but I, there is one other source that I enjoyed this year, and that is Alan Broken um, and his, uh, oh, goodness, I can't remember the name of the series. Armor of God is the one I read. It's the latest one in the series. It just came yeah, out. We, we review one or two of those for Lorehaven. I'm trying to remember myself. Uh, we, we have now hundreds of reviews uh, at, at Lorehaven, and now you're, you're right. I'm going a little bit blank on that myself. Yeah, the, I know light is in the title. Uh, Alan, if you're there, uh, sorry if we got your title. <laughs> yeah, so Armor of God is the latest, um, and his style is so unique. He's got this this fireside storyteller style. It is firmly in the middle grade range. It is excellent for uh, reading with your family. And, and you know, he's, he's inspired by his kids. He's inspired by the, their stuffed animals um, that, that he brings into the story in unique ways. Um, but uh, James Stoddard uh, is one of my inspirations. James Stoddard wrote the high house uh, way back. Um, and uh, so he he actually re recently wrote. I did read one unpublished by him also this year that is uh, a, a really sort of fantastical exploration of American history uh, in a mashup of of sort of a dystopian world and American history. And he and Alan, even though I doubt that they have ever met, have a similar style that I really really enjoy. So I, I think that's what um, endeared me to Alan's Armor of God book. I remember, uh, I think I'm Facebook friends with Alan, and I think I saw that he was sharing your endorsement of that. And uh, the, his series is actually called Towers of Light. I uh, just went on a, a link sharing spree there in the chat. Uh, it's a, a little a little echoing in there. I can actually see a mist uh, with or without secrets spreading throughout the chat. So <laughs> maybe folks are getting a, um, a head start on preparing their Christmas dinners and just keeping keeping us in the background um that's that, i'm glad you found those folks uh, because it can be especially i think you know i'm just going a little inside baseball here like i don't even have a, a fantasy novel published or sci-fi novel published yet but um it can just when christians of like mind who enjoy biblical truth and fantastic imagination get together it can get a little awkward you know if it's a bit of a very small circle and in you you support what someone is doing but maybe their story isn't quite to your taste when we find one that is to your taste and even better it happens to be written by a friend of yours and you can recommend that wholeheartedly there that's that's uh that's a sweet spot at least speaking for myself uh, and I'm, I have the honor of getting to edit all the reviews for Lorehaven, which uh, very few of those are actually written by me. 
So I get to see the inside track of a lot of these great stories that our review team members are enjoying. Uh, what's the one we have coming out tomorrow? It's called The Centauri Survivors. Um, I hadn't even heard of this before. So that's the review that we have coming out tomorrow. Haven't read it, but it was a great review uh, and they sold it to me. Uh, it sounds It sounds like a great title in that case. Sponsor two for this episode is T.E. Bradford's novel, Awakened. This is a science fiction story with AI and robots and everything from T.E. Bradford. And here's the plot description. What if your worst enemy was your only hope? What if saving your life meant destroying your beliefs? How far would you go to survive? MACs, Manufactured Anotic Commandos, were designed for battle. Most people believe sending robotic soldiers into combat is better than risking human lives. But Kara has seen what happens when unfeeling, soulless automatons decide who lives and who dies. Machines don't care whether the enemy is holding a rake instead of a gun, or that a six-year-old girl watches from a bedroom window. All they know is what they were programmed for. Destruction. When Kara finds herself wounded and defenseless in the middle of a battle zone, she has no choice but to use the only weapon she can find, a disabled MAC. Without him, she won't make it out alive. With him, she might come out a different person. Will hate destroy her, or will the natural love of a creator for its creation open her eyes to a truth that changes everything? Get the cover, complete description, and purchase links for Awakened from T.E. Bradford at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors, or in the show notes for this episode, episode 93. Other than that biblical process uh, that the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, receiving a good thing with thanksgiving, like that assumes that you've got a good thing and that you're applying biblical discernment while you're enjoying it, you know, not just enjoying it because it's made by a Christian or because the world building is really good uh, or because a friend recommended it, but enjoying it specifically for the glory of God. But before that, do you either of y'all have any tips about trying to find the good stuff? Um, not just Lorehaven reviews, but is there anything, you know, for pleasure reading, uh, not just judging or competitions or something, uh, any strategies that you all have to find the good fantasy, whether or not it's Christian made? When I see something I go to plugged in, something I'm not familiar with, um, I'm grateful. Uh, I begged them like 10 years ago to start doing books. I think they finally have started doing books. Um, oh, they're doing books. Yeah, what's that? Uh, they're doing books. Yes. Aren't you working with them on that? Or yeah, good folks. Uh, that is still pending, but okay, yes, gotcha. that's, uh, that's hopefully hopefully happening. That James but, just uh, broke yeah, some so news to here. I'm going to tell on for, him next for, for multiple types of content um, because I trust their their opinion. Um, and uh, I go right now. I'm going back if I, if I want to recommend stuff to my kids. I go to Chuck Black. Um, I'm going back to. Um, to, to where I've been before, because what I'm seeing coming out of the market, even in, like I said, uh, even within the Christian community, um, I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit wary of, not just a little bit, I'm very wary of. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's what yeah, I let's say circle back to that I in refer a to the yeah. Lorian comment. Yeah. The fellowship stands on the edge or the quest stands at the edge of a knife. Um, yeah, if, if you don't mind, actually I want to do my camp there for a moment. Um, it is, you know, uh, it's awkward, right? Because, okay, I understand publishing is in a difficult place and Christians are in a difficult place. Uh, but right now, just the three of us are like-minded here. And with the most respect for folks who are still trying to figure this stuff out, 
um, there are some ideas spreading among some, some I'm sure, well-intended Christian publishers, though, um, particularly the political agenda type stuff um, that threatens to waylay, I think, uh, truth-based and imaginative Christian-made fantasy. Like, James, I don't know how much you want to say here, but are you seeing that at the fantasy level or is it more of the nonfiction stuff where people are publishing this, this rather oh, no, legalistic it's political in the fantasy material? and speculative. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're, I mean, and at Christian publishers, publisher, we're also seeing the compromise. Oh, we need to reach guys. And so, and, and this is a passion of mine is reaching uh, boys and men. Um, and yes, the speculative I share that. community. What's that? I share that goal. Absolutely. Right. I, I do see a void there. Uh-huh. And the speculative community is, 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 is a primary battleground for that. Um, and when I see folks putting in, okay, so we're there, there's a strategy that I've seen of, okay, we're going to um, include foul language in our books. We're going to get, get gritty that way. Well, you know, and, and, and what I say on that one is if you're going to reach folks, uh, if you're going to compromise your faith to reach folks, you're going to reach them with compromised faith. Um, yeah. and, and so you're kind of stabbing your foot with the spear before you head into battle. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how like-minded we all are on, on, on that topic. I think it, from the last discussion, it seemed like we were. Um, but, uh, that is one that is certainly, um, a frustration for me and, and why I'm going backward to, uh, a formerly, you know, to, to, to novels from, you know, years past where I know that these, uh, uh, Christian publishers were not compromising, but there's so much cr- pressure to compromise, to stay in business. Um, I think, I think there's some desperation there as, as book sales went down, things like that. It's not worth it. It's not worth compromising our faith uh, to to keep a business afloat. Now, plus, I I think we might be like-minded, I'll ask Berrigan in a moment, but we may get there different ways. Like the way that I look at it is not so much, don't put the bad words in the books because it will corrupt you. Although in my case, I actually struggle with that. Like bad words in movies or YouTube videos, like I've, I've even said on the podcast, like if I'm getting into an angry or ungodly mood during the day, uh, those words rush straight to the surface and then out, and that's a biblical violation out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. If I've got those words, those feelings in my heart, and I've heard them echoed from a YouTube video or something, um, that causes me a struggle. So for me, that is sin. But for others, I think you can read the word on a page. It may not corrupt you necessarily, but it may draw that idolatry of anger out of your heart. But the way that I dislike that uh, compromise in terms of, of language specifically, the reason I dislike that is that it's cheating. That doesn't make the story realistic. Um, I forget, it was a couple of Fantastical Truth episodes ago, we were talking about that, and like that's that doesn't inject instant realism into the story. Uh, people will drop these bad words casually all the time, not just because they're going through some traumatic, dramatic experience. Uh, it's complete filler. Uh, and and to do that is just such a shallow approach to make the stories more realistic uh, and more suitable for male readers. Um, I'm actually thinking of some of the ridiculous edgelord uh, megachurch attempts of, of decades and years past. Um, they were a flash in the pan, and then the megachurch leader or big name evangelical author uh, blew up in scandal uh, or just faded into obscurity. Um, Marion, do you have any thoughts on those attempts. Yeah. And I think that it's not just about language. I think that that is just mm-hmm. something that um, is, you know, with uh, sex language, any, any real content, I think that there's a way of like you're saying it's cheating um, because 
you you want to be you want your you want to be real and yet realism you know being realistic has become an idol um i think for a lot of writers and readers alike um it's it's about now it's just about like a, i'm entitled to these things because writing is about being realistic um instead of conveying truth in a way that is edifying and God glorifying. Um, so, I mean, it's really just about what is your goal as a reader or as a writer? What is your goal? Is it to glorify God and enjoy him forever? Like, is that the goal? Um, and oftentimes I feel just that Pete, that it is not. Um, and that, um, when we, it goes back to like, are we being shrewd and innocent? Um, we're not, um, you know, we're being shrewd and we've lost our innocence. And, um, and so that is we're we're, we're puddle jumping, you know, we're going from one thing yeah. to the next and we're trying, we're trying to serve both God and money. We're trying to serve both God and bail, you know, and, and, um, you can't, you can't do that. Like there is like some, some big idols that we have erected. Um, and, one of those things is, and the language, the sex, all that is just fall. Is just, those are just symptoms. Yeah. So, so I want to know because we we t- we talked earlier, or or in the the email discussion we had was of of what you read that was not from Christian publishers. So I'm wondering if either of you have uh, done any of James Islington's series, um, the Shadow of What Was Lost. Um, Echo of Things to Come. I, I can't remember the actual series call name, uh, but the third one just came out. Uh, have you guys heard of that one? Mm-mm. I was just now years old when I heard of that one, but I love the titles. What what genre is this? This is is squarely fantasy. Um, okay. He has a very interesting magic system in in the world that I'm partial to because it's really sort of science based, um, but mm. it is very fantastical, and uh, the what I'm interested in, because I can't, you can't, I can't find all that great information about the guy. Um, it, you know, he's born in Victoria, Australia. That's like all they'll tell us. <laughs> um, really? But he, you know, the book was originally self-published, I think, in 2014, and then it came out um, an audio only, published by Audio in 2000 Audible.com in, in 2017. Um, and the audio books are very good. The first two. I was beginning to wonder if it, it, it sounded like there was a very Christian bent to the book um and i I thought that's where he was going in book one because i listened to both those on audio Mm -hmm. um and i know the book i haven't gotten to book three yet um but i felt like there was a christian direction going and then things kind of took a took a a hairpin turn um in book two so now i'm thoroughly confused and i'm so now i'm wondering if there was a sort of moralistic world um that uh is was unguided by a, a Christian worldview, or if he's going to turn it back around in book three. Um, that's one of my, that's one of my frustrations with books that don't come full circle. I mean, I, I like trilogies that have their big circle and then each has a small circle. Uh, yes. And now I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the middle of the circle and there was no completion. So I don't know where we're going, but the, the world itself is very much, uh, very similar to the Mistborn series. Um, and uh, a really uh, big, broad world and and exciting, lots of different places to explore. Um, But I was hoping it would, I was hoping he would turn out to be on our side, (laughs) on our team. (laughs) Well, that's where, go ahead, Mary. I was just going to say, I see this kind of thing all the time, though. I mean, 
people just accidentally trip over truth because it's 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 you know it's smacking them in the face all the time i mean we people suppress the truth we know this um so they're 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 like they're embracing pieces of truth all the time whether or not but they but they still don't know the whole truth and so there's all these logical inconsistencies at the end of the day um so i don't know about that particular person but i think it's i i would say it's like super common super super common in any secular book um or series that you're like oh you're going out the great place with this oh you just missed the mark entirely like <laughs> and that's um, where i was you were like two-thirds of the way through book two and then randomly there's this scantily clad young woman who might be underage um who walks in and out of a scene and then she's gone and we never see her again and you're like why did you there's like one page in the entire trilogy so far like where did that come from what well, you, you remembered it, didn't you? I mean, it could that be <laughs> yeah. the purpose, you know? It's like, well, well it you made know, me almost just turn the thing off. Completely <laughs> random moment. Yeah. Well, it's not a good memory in this case. Yeah. It's just it's so completely random. And yeah, that, uh, that I can't help. I can't help but ask: Is it is it random? Or because my mind always goes to in in looking for good books, my mind always goes to foreshadowing, and that is my yeah. number yeah. one tip for finding a good book is start to read the book and pay very, very close attention to tiny little hints that the author is dropping that seem random and out of place, but they will come back and they will do something with that because they don't normally have, um, yeah, that what's that, that guy from Lord of the Rings who's like really random and never comes back into the picture. I'm blanking on it. Tom Bombadil. Thank you, Tom Bombadil. You know, most people don't do that, you know, or their editor makes them cut it. <laughs> so, um, the foreshadowing nobody makes Tolkien is, cut anything, nobody makes Tolkien cut it. Um, we don't, <laughs> we didn't want him to cut that. Um, so, um, but you know, usually. Things like that don't aren't just there just for kicks. I mean, um, it, it's possible, but I would say like that if that is there, then that's a huge red flag to me because it's it's very likely foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah so it's Chekhov's worldview. If you know where to look, you can see a skilled author will just leave this little belief tenant hanging above the mantelpiece, and a skilled author is not going to put it there unless he fully intends the character to grab it. Uh, later on, sometime in and chapter fire six, fire it in the next scene, and fire now, it in the now, next that scene. That was that was an interesting drawback. Drawback to Tolkien there, because you know, for that that one that little separate piece of 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 his work, that whole Tom Bombadil peak is really this outlier. <laughs> if you if you ever told me that Tolkien did drugs at some point in his life, I would be like, oh, and then you would say, but Tom Bombadil, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, I can see it's it. a new All fan right. theory there. Some kind of revisionist history. Uh, there was uh, there was more than tobacco in that pipe. Um, no, we're not starting a rumor here. Uh, Tolkien was no, very we're not. No, no, he did not. No, no, of course not. Now there are some other authors. Uh, for example, uh, Frank Herbert, of whom this has been alleged, uh, and and some of the hallucinogenic states that he describes in his novel Dune uh, could definitely reinforce that. Um, that brings me to my favorite new novel that i read this year was dune i am late comer uh to that franchise obviously uh similar to how actually the first time i read the fellowship of the ring it was just in time in order to see the film 
Uh, and then I read the rest of the books and and became a true fan, you know, reading them not just days before uh, going to see the movie. Uh, but Dune, I had to pull it off again. And of course, I'm reading it or listening to it, whichever. And and I'm thinking, wow, how did I miss this for so long? Like this is fantastic. Uh, overall, it's really fantastic. Um, and it's interesting. Earlier, you mentioned James the the need to engage male readers in the speculative genres. Um, I rediscovered this truth, you know, not as a creator, but as a reader, uh, reading Dune, because although Dune has male and female fans, I would describe it as a very male, uh, story, at least it's a story that's very male friendly, uh, not just because the main characters are men, uh, as well as Lady Jessica, pause for laughter, Lady Jessica, Duncan, Idaho, you know, a uh, little, little genre bit there that just seems to kind of be a, a serious joke, by the way. Um, but this story got to me uh, like, like, like few other stories do like, because it's a coming of age story uh, because there are good men in it, like Duncan, Idaho uh, and, and Duke Leto Atreides, the first um, they, to me, come across as as fictional role models at least so far and to some extent uh, paul atreides himself and yet this story was not loaded with nonsense uh it is as the kids say very based and it is the enemies who are shown to be disordered uh sexually perverted like there's enough description where you get the idea like these guys have thrown their humanity away uh, and the heroes are the ones trying to hold on to their humanity, uh, even amongst this weird, uh, weird planet and this this weird setting uh, that the author created. Yeah, uh, and, and and that's another one where I say go back in time. I, I think um, I, it's been a while since I read the book, so I'd have to go back and, and read for content to be absolutely sure. But um, definitely not middle grade, upper YA um, yeah. would be. Um, something to go to for Dune, but good, you know, I mean, just an amazing world. And also on your, your, your spot on, on your sense that this is guys books, the, the uh, editor uh, currently um, maintaining that series for Penguin is Tom Colgan, who also does the Clancy and the Bourne books. So uh, I think, okay. uh, I think you're, you're, you're spot on on the, uh, on the, 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 the section um, where that falls. I see. Uh, Marion, any thoughts on the, uh, like, have you read Dune? Like, did you uh, no. pick up on this stuff? Okay. 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 No, then I'm not going to spoil it. Come on. I have zero interest in reading it, but I will definitely watch the movies. But it definitely looks like is men. It just like reads men. Because the other thing is. Oh, definitely. <laughs> the other thing is like. I, I things up with sound waves. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's really cool. Um, like everything about it, the world building, but I am definitely, I don't know if this is a male or female difference, but I am definitely um, very into character driven stories. And although it, it may have good characters in it, it is not a character driven story. Um, so it's just not my cup of tea. You are, you no, are that's dead on. There's most certainly not a character driven story. Yes. Yes. Although uh, you, you might enjoy the film anyway, because obviously yeah. uh, adapting it for that different medium, uh, you have to drop a lot of the really plot heavy world building heavy type stuff mm -hmm. and focus on the characters. Right. Um, it works like I, I haven't seen a Dune book fan who didn't like the movie. Uh, similar to folks who were fans of Fellowship of the Ring, you kind of felt disappointed they didn't get Tom Bombadil and the Barrow Whites and some of those things in there, but you kind of understand at the same time. I yeah. myself missed the dinner party, which had a lot of character moments in the book. There's this very politically charged dinner party where the author is effectively head hopping and you 
you kind of know, you know, who's being devious, who's being disingenuous, who's being honest and virtuous and upright and noble. That's not in the movie, but I understand why. Um, it's it's just one of those moments where I'm like, this is dragging on and on and on, and I should be hating it, but I'm not. Uh, kind of like the book itself, actually. Yeah, are we allowed to get into craft here? Because I'm I'm wondering, can you? I mean, I'm not a space opera guy normally, and is this does does Dune qualify as space opera? I'll ask the. You know, expert. I think I don't know. I think it's space fantasy because, like, how, yeah. how exactly does the spice work uh, to help you transcend space and time in order to plot a course for interstellar travel? Uh, it works very efficiently. Thank you. You know, there's not a lot of hard science there. It's it's, it's made of Star. I think I think it's softer sci-fi than even Star Trek because Star Trek tries to get some stuff right and like dune at least the first book stays on the planet almost the whole time like i actually i was listening to audiobook and like it goes from one chapter to another uh we're on their original planet and then the next one like oh 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 they've already moved you know they're they're unpacking the crates in the castle like i was kind of looking forward to seeing how you get from point a to point b but i guess the guild secrets in the dune verse have to stay with the guild so i'll have to admit i haven't read um ronnie's work Ronnie Kendig. Um, but mm. you could certainly look into, you know, for the Dune fans in the room, um, you could look into her work, um, new stuff coming out all the time. She's very prolific. Um, but she does seem to her fans, from what I can tell, seem to feel that there's a lot of good character um, uh, driven story in there. And I've got I mean, to me, that's that's masterful, because with 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 the the volume of world or or universe or galaxy that you're covering and something like that, how do you do character? I like small, tight teams. I usually, you know, all all of my books, I I, I keep I mean, I like teamwork, but they're they're fairly small and tight. And I try to keep them there because uh, I don't think I could do this giant, um, you know, this thick book galaxy and and effectively do characters. Yeah, I think her, I like her work is, is, um, is definitely character-driven, space opera, just beautiful, beautifully written. Um, I do think it's a little bit on the steamy side for me. Um, so I don't know. I think oh, I'm, Brand of Light. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was a bit much for me. Um, but I I think it it might appeal more to men who are okay with that or like don't, that doesn't affect them. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, let's just come right on and say it. Um, generally, men and women, as from what I've seen, uh, have different responses to more sensuality in stories. It goes, it doesn't go right over my head, but like, I don't, I don't stumble there. If anything, it actually takes me out of the story. I, I won't say whose novel I read. Um, it was a, it was a Christian made fantasy novel. It was not an enclave title. Uh, it was not a Ronnie Kindig title, but I was reading one where it's like, you know, suddenly we're describing this dude's hardened muscles and I'm like, <laughs> doesn't do anything for me, folks. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I, it just makes me laugh. And so it takes me out of the story. Like I can understand why that's there, but that, that, that is one thing that I, I wouldn't necessarily count as a, as a fantastic glory in, in YA fantasy. Um, <laughs> Does, doesn't do anything for me as a male reader. So we're, we're actually kind of spinning off a little bit here in the differences between male and female readers. That, that be, that, that's actually, that's a topic I've wanted to get into on Fantastical Truth for it a while. Is, but but if we got to have fantasy fiction, then, then we might have go. to, because uh, uh, you we, you know, yeah. we seem to have devoted a lot of it to girls to, in terms of, in terms of YA. Um, this is true. And uh, so we, maybe we need to uh, see where those differences lie. The, the interesting thing, if you ask Tim Shoemaker, 
um, who, who gives a great talk about writing for boys. Um, mm -hmm. He writes adventure books. But if you ask Tim Shoemaker, he'll tell you that girls will read, in most cases, maybe not Dune, um, girls will read uh, almost anything. But boys have very specific tastes. So if we're if they're not writing for if you're not writing with boys in mind, you're going to lose them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't and know if I agree with that. <laughs> oh, OK, go, go ahead, Mary. Go ahead. No, no, no. Just saying. I don't know if Good I job. agree. with that. You go right ahead. <laughs> OK, yeah. No, for, for my for my case. Yeah, I, I sometimes I, I feel kind of picky, you know, but but I will read both male and, and female writers. Uh, for me, it's more about. Does the story have complexity, not just in world building and realism, but in thematic development? Um, I can be reading a novel uh, that has really great world building and fun characters and all that. But if I feel that the themes are shallow, like even from a Christian storyteller, if the themes are striking me as like, okay, well, we're doing a basic John 316, let's learn to let go and let God and trust, trust the Bible verse, you know, like some of those things, like I go, this is a great review and I need this, you know, but if you're going to be a really complex, you know, 800 page Christian made fantasy, um, I, I would like to see more here. Um, I think that may be the effect that I have. Um, oh, I'll just go here. Somebody name checked uh, Mistborn earlier. That's Brandon Sanderson, right? I haven't read it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, um, that's, that's a cousin, you know, or at least a, a friendly, um, a friendly ally in terms of creativity, uh, Brandon Sanderson being a, an, an LDS guy. Uh, and there's another, I think overall, like somebody correct my, um, my conception if I'm wrong here, but overall those are other types of books like Brandon Sanderson and others, like the big thick ones. Um, uh, my friend Zach's a big fan of Wheel of Time, which Sanderson helped to finish after Robert Jordan died. But those epic fantasy works will go like, realistic and complex and all of those things uh but at least i've not heard anything about all of the sensuality uh and language and nonsense that some publishers feel like you have to put into the books now to make them realistic it seems to me that sanderson defies that expectation uh, and he's well, I, I way haven't seen his most recent stuff um i've only read the mistborn series from him mm -hmm. uh, but not in the mistborn series uh, and that one just mm -hmm. takes a, a, a giantly strange theological term uh, uh, turn near the end, although it actually sort oh, okay. of fits in with LDS quite a bit by the time you mm -hmm, reach the end. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 it solidly fits in with LDS when you reach the final, final mm -hmm. uh, pages of the series. Um, but also uh, in that frame, Brandon Mole, um, if you're looking for clean YA, um, mm -hmm. also an LDS guy. Yeah. Yeah. They, at least you, you find at least, I, I wouldn't say it's always clean you know but, but then again there's some christian made fantasy some of which we've talked about that i don't know if would qualify as clean because it's you know meant for older readers there may be more complex um you know moments of violence in there however redemptive but i i had i didn't read mistborn uh, several years ago i started reading what was it the way of kings and it was good but something happened and i washed out so now i have to go back and start from the very beginning uh, it's not sanderson's fault it's my fault. Uh, I did not finish what I started. Um, so, Marion, you said you like more character-driven stories. To you, I'm just curious as a fan, does that rule out like longer stories or like what? what no, what's not the maximum at all. Length you can um, mm. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of people out there who write something like epic fantasy um, who are going to be very strongly character-driven. Um, and I feel like 
it's more about, it's less about the length and more about is, does the plot serve the characters or do the characters serve the plot um, at the end of the day? Um, so I think a really good example of maybe a good balance between the two um, is Jeff Wheeler. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's like, yeah. a, he's another LDS guy. Uh, he writes epic fantasy. His his probably w- most well-known book is called um, King Fountain. Um, but he has a lot of like big, huge world building epics um, that are really clean, super well done, huge on plot. And, um, but they're also really character driven. And I feel like he's like really grasps that, um, that balance really well. So um, so yeah, no, it's not about the link at all. It's it's just about what serves what, you know. So yeah, Meg McDonald comments in the chat. There are a lot of LDS fantasy authors. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, there are. Um, somehow uh, the uh, LDS folks uh, would what do we call it? An offshoot of Christianity. We don't get too far afield there. That's another live stream. Um, but uh, they seem to like making fantasy uh, more, mm-hmm. and then uh, more Christians. It seems. Uh, at least at the hugely popular mainstream level, or like, eh, we got Lewis and Tolkien. Um, we're good. We're good. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. No, there's this guy called Andrew Peterson. Well, he's a musician and we like music, so let's check out his fantasy. Oh, wow, this is really good. And it's not Lewis and Tolkien. Uh, and then hopefully also they check out some Enclave stuff, they check out some independently published stuff, they check right. out the good stuff made by our realm makers, uh, friends and colleagues, and they'll figure out that you don't just have to stop with Lewis and Tolkien and you don't have to jump to the other religious group and, and just get the LDS authors, although they're really skilled storytellers as well. Uh, you can find newer Christian made fantasy uh, in many different genres where there's character driven, plot driven, science fiction, fantasy, space opera, any of those things. Yeah. I, feel, um, I find I, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Mary. Actually. I was going to say, I find that, um, that naivety, I guess, um, about what is out there. Um, as far as Christian parents or just Christian readers in general um, is, is pretty um, prolific. Just so much like at that, you know, of only reading Lewis and Tolkien or, or Andrew Peterson, um, which I'm so, so glad that they're reading Andrew Peterson. Um, But, um, but it stretches, it stretches pretty far into having absolutely no idea what their kid is reading. and which is another reason why, um, like we talk about this stuff, you know, why do we talk about what content, why do we talk about this stuff? And honestly, one of the biggest reasons that I talk about it is because, um, people will hand their child a book thinking this is, this is safe for you because it's, you know, and they, and they have no idea, they have no idea what's in it, but they also have no idea how to determine what books to give their kids. Um, because they can't, they can't read everything their child reads. So, um, yeah. So I think, which kind of goes back to our original question, which I don't know if we ever finished really answering, (laughs) which is, uh, how, how, how do we like, how do we find the good books? See, And Um, that's how I started this year. I went to, I went to a, a, a YA fantasy series, first book in series from a major Christian publisher. And I handed it to my kid without previewing it. And a couple of days later, he brought it down to my office while I was working on my book. And he said, dad, this isn't a Christian book. Oh dear. Um, This book is, is heresy. 
And I went, mm. oh, son, you know, you, you know, here, you know, there's the, you know, fairly theologically trained dad going, oh, dear son, <laughs> you know. And so then I we we looked at it together and he was spot on correct. Oh, wow. Mm, and so now I, you know, like, where do I go if I can't do that? Because I need to trust. Um, and so, you know, I go to people that I know. I go to Chuck Black. I go to Enclave uh, because mm -hmm. I know for sure that I can trust those people with my kids. Pop culture parent props. Your son knew it was heresy. It stood out to him. So I, 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 maybe he can pick up on it on his own. Yeah. Which that's, you, yeah. that's what... Christian kids need to be need to be trained to do. Um, real quick, uh, Scott popped into the chat to say, and this is for the audio here, the LDS Church began a very specific effort a long time ago to encourage LDS members to write fantasy and science fiction. We see the results of that. And I, I want a primary source for that, Scott. Let's, let's talk there, brother, because I think that would be very interesting to explore. Uh, there is an advantage to having kind of a singular uh, church there, uh, a religious group, uh, to... Uh, hand that thing down, you know, uh, Christians, evangelical Christians, by contrast, uh, do not have that. And I think there would be issues if we did have that. We've already got plenty of issues as it is. However, hey, uh, Southern Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, whatever, any of those good Christ-focused, gospel-centered denominations overall, um, you want to hand down some orders? You know, I, I could take a little uh, of church or bishop authoritarianism there. Um, it would be nice to have that kind of encouragement. Uh, but I think that it is something that independent Christian authors are going ahead out there and, and showing, I think, uh, that there is a uh, there is a demand for this, and not just among the authors, but from the readers. Uh, and James, you and I were at the, um, uh, the Florida uh, Education uh, Conference last May. Uh, and you've been to other events, and so have I with the Realm Makers Bookstore. We see firsthand not just the author-creator demand for these stories, but we see what happens when these giant homeschooling families uh, who will budget thousands for books, or they show up at the booth and their eyes go ba-boing, uh, and they're, they're going to the Enclave area, or they're going to your Light Raiders area, and they're finding these kinds of resources. By the way, boys and girls, anybody who says boys don't read, uh, they need to go to one of these homeschool conventions. And I have been a homeschooler. Uh, that's how I got where I am. Uh, it appears to be not just a, a female-friendly uh, fantasy fandom here, uh, but dudes like these stories as well. Uh, and anybody who's making those kinds of books would do well to pay attention uh, to the reasons why we like these kinds of stories. Uh, Boru. I'm laughing at Boru's comment. Uh, for those of you who are hearing this audio, uh, go to the uh, go to the uh, live stream uh, recording. Uh, this whole thing will be available, by the way, for replay from the very beginning. Once we're done, uh, go to the go to the chat and see what Boru said there. Little Easter egg there. It might just crack you up a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so, James, I want to ask you because, frankly, I wanted to ask you even uh, off the chat. Like, are there any other factors that are steering? Uh, the the best YA fantasy that we see in more of a female friendly direction. I don't just mean oh, that's books for girls. Like that's sexist. I'm not going to say that. I enjoy lots of these kinds of stories, but the covers are getting a little pinker and a little purpler. Um, is that just because, frankly, girls are more enthusiastic readers and they're talking about it on Instagram, or what, what's happening there? From your, well, from your it, fan it's and a combination of factors. Um, one of them, in my opinion, is and I, I would love to go back and look up. I know there is a scientific term for this, but um, it's sort of like this self-perpetuating snowball. And what's happened is over the last few, a couple of decades at least, 
We've seen um, girls being voracious readers, publishers seeing that that market was uh, picking up and they're getting more sales in that market. And so then they increase the amount of content for those for that sector of their market. And then the next year they have more sales in that market. So they increase content for that sector and has snowballed. Now do we have this tiny little thing? And especially in CBA um, it's this, it's this small. And unfortunately um, I have some, some significantly deeper and more recent insights that I can't get into on that, but it is uh, uh, definitely a truth that we have sort of snowballed ourselves into writing boys and uh, men out of the picture. And I'd like to sort of claw back some of that ground. Let's claw back together. I, I think we have many <laughs> women as well who'd want to do the same thing. I think, Marion, that dudes do buy books, but when we buy books, it's political books and doctrine books because dudes like to yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Have you noticed this as well? And in, in the dudes, you know, like, I mean, especially well, among Christians, like we like our doctrine books. Um, well, my husband is an academic. Okay. So I 100% understand this type. <laughs> um, we know them well. And um, I think even though my husband will read fiction, it's normally, uh, he is, he is admittedly drawn to just reading classics and even like sci-fi and fantasy classics more than more than things that are coming out right now. So I, I take books off the shelf and put them in his hands, read this. Um, and, it, and he does. Um, but it's not something that he's going out and looking for. Um, you know, I think we get a lot of this coming in the mail, you know, just theology, philosophy. Um, of course that is also his job. Um, but yes. yeah, it's, it's, it's something there, there's, there's something to that. Um, where I see, even even this is this is not just men this is women as well um who are reading books of like devotionals books written for women um of like that are nonfiction, and um they they are all about get, sending giving their kids as much um as much fiction as they can but for their own preference they would rather read something devotional or the like um yeah very practical, I'd say. And I have to fight this impulse in myself as well. Practical, but also comfort zone. Like, mm. why do I want to do that? I don't know. Uh, I have to I have to coax myself into trying something new. Whether it's a male um, author I would or a female say if, you, if you are one uh, in, the, in the audience, um, or Marion, who puts books into um, your husband or your older son's hands, um, I would definitely go for this one. It's The High House by James Stoddard. Do you want to move um, that? I can't really see it. There we oh, go. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. On my screen, go. I can see it. That my looks, bad. That looks cool that, and very retro. That is well. the current print version. It was, it was, it's out of print in its original version, but he has oh, republished okay. it. It was originally published, I think, by Warner Brothers when they had a publishing arm. Um, but uh, that is some really great fantasy fiction written by a Christian man. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, he's not an allegory guy. Um, but you can see the Christian themes running throughout the book. So a theologian would have fun sort of picking those apart, I think, um, for, for an academic. Now that sounds like a kind of book that I would eat up as well. Cause I, I'm not an academic, but I play one on the internet. So uh, that is where my for, taste. If you want to really go, go highbrow, go for Stephen James's quest for Celestia. 
Okay, you know I've I've see Stephen James everywhere, everywhere, and he reimagining of Pilgrim's Progress. I need to do this. Okay, okay, there we go, there we go. Is it sci-fi sci-fi bent there? It sounded like it from the from the title that he gave. Okay, okay, there we go. So More, all yeah, kinds of recommendations here. Adventure, little of that, yeah. I, th I think there's a little mix of that there. Okay, well, that makes me want to get that and then add it to the digital stack of reviews uh, at the Lorehaven. Um, by the way, I'd be holding up books myself, uh, but just about every novel that I've read this year, I think, has been in electronic form. Uh, my bookshelves back here are full to overflowing, and the spaces that I do have, I tend to put a lot of collectibles and stuff on there. So uh, eventually, I may need to just actually get physical copies of books, uh, particularly because uh, some books are just better in the print form. Um, I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Jillian Bronte Adams's new release from Enclave, just released, I think, this past Tuesday. Um, that is a robust story, longer, more complex, uh, third person point of view, for those of you who like the authorial jargon. Um, I've been enjoying this a lot. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. Mm -hmm. And I just realized uh, that, man, I've missed third person point of view. Uh, a lot of books, you know, God bless them, but they are first person and sometimes first person present tense like i really like third person especially when there is an ensemble cast of characters you know you get three heroes uh in of uh of fire and ash uh for the price of one uh and so it actually takes the story a little bit further in the direction of epic fantasy uh which i which i really enjoy uh, and plus there are horses who can light themselves on fire so right, that's the hook. flaming horses right come on yeah flaming horses are tight uh but the hook for me is oh there are three heroes for the price of one and there's a there's a girl and then there are two boys as well uh, and they're very different um I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot uh and i'm looking forward to seeing where the rest of the story goes um while we're drawing to a close here i gotta say uh jillian herself uh, will be on fantastical truth uh the very next episode uh this coming tuesday so you get to find out more about why she chose to go in third person point of view uh, if you're into that sort of jargon uh we also have after that uh we were talking a lot about fellowship so a couple of weeks from this no no the last tuesday episode before christmas i think uh we're going to look back on the fellowship of the ring movie and how christians just loved it back then 20 years ago uh, and how we still love it today. Uh, by the way, uh, you guys need to see Fellowship on uh, in uh, 4K. Uh, it uh, is, it looks absolutely amazing. Cole S. Seiben, Seiben, yes, I see you. I see you in the chat. I see you. I recognize you. Yes, this thing will immediately start uh, uh, playing again, or you can play it again once we wrap up the live portion here, which uh, should be basically right about now. Uh, but we're going to go just a couple minutes over just to make sure we close out uh, and get everybody uh, their plugs. So uh, starting with you, Marion, uh, where can people follow you, uh, your various thoughts on Instagrams where you have hundreds of thousands of adoring viewers? <laughs> how, how can people keep track of you there? Yes, yes. Um, those adoring viewers are are just from a couple of reels. I don't actually have that many followers, uh, but I am actually most active on Instagram. Um, uh, I'm occasionally pop over to Facebook and Twitter. Um, also, my website is majacobs.com, and um, I've got a free book on there if you subscribe to my newsletter. Yeah, that's the Pinocchio steampunk retelling. And uh, James, where can folks keep track of your fantastical exploits? Uh, you can just you, you Google James R. Hannibal. You can find my Facebook, my Twitter, my my uh, Instagram. You'll find me most often on Instagram. We do have uh, a company uh, at Light Raiders now um, helping to manage our social media. So I'm less active there as things ramp up. 
Um, but over at lightraders.com, you can find our games uh, and our stories that all work together in the same uh, Christian worldview, fantasy world. Um, and so hope to see you there. And for my part, you can find me at lorehaven.com. Uh, we've got new reviews of Christian-made fantasy, the best Christian-made fantasy we can find every Friday. Uh, the new podcast episodes release every Tuesday. And then we also have new articles helping you find the best of these stories and apply their meanings to the real world that Jesus calls us to serve. Sign up for free because, oh, blessed art thou, uh, viewers of this live stream, you get the first pre-announcement of our new Lorehaven feature, which launches in January, date TBD. It is a Discord server called the Lorehaven Guild. The Lorehaven Guild. Uh, you will get the link to join when we're ready to open it by signing up for Lorehaven. Free subscription at lorehaven.com. We will have in said Lorehaven Guild monthly book quests, guided excursions, book club style. Uh, through the best Christian-made fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. Uh, this is going to be a curated community. We have a code of honor. We have a faith statement and everything. Definitely Christian-friendly, gospel-based, fantasy-loving. I think you're going to love it. Uh, we will be announcing uh, more details about the Lorehaven Guild this month, uh, hoping to open in January. Uh, stay affixed to lorehaven.com. And uh, if you're a Fantastical Truth listener, we'll probably drop some other hints uh, for you all as well. Uh, I think with that, we're good. Um, Marion and James, great to reunite. Uh, anybody who arrived late, uh, the show will be available for replay as soon as we end. Um, I think that'll be it. So just really appreciate y'all coming in. And I, I love the like-mindedness here. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. And a happy, fantastical new year. <coughs> Godspeed, Realm Makers. Thank you. Well, that was a wide-ranging and yet uh, suitable conversation to close out the new year. You may have heard there, I gave yet another little guild pitch, a little less detailed there because this was earlier in December. We were still putting together some elements of the castle. Uh, get uh, more information at lorehaven.com slash lorehavenguild. Our third sponsor for this episode is Andrew D. Meredith's fantasy novel, Thrice. It has a shorter description, but a big endorsement, and this is the description for this title. Forced out on the road with the boy left in his care, Jovan determines to journey into the cave of the bear to seek out those that would do him and his boy harm. It is the boy and his bottomless well of soul-searing magic that they seek. They would do anything to exploit it and Jovan would do anything to stop them. This is book one of the Needle and Leaf series, and it has been endorsed by Graham McNeil, who's a New York Times bestselling author of A Thousand Sons. McNeil says, quote, Steeped in a wealth of brooding Slavic folklore, Thrice is a deeply personal story of a reluctant father and the mysterious child in his care. It beautifully weaves a tale of personal survival with a much grander narrative, of ill-fated bargains and dangerous magic of the past to tell a story that's both intimate and epic. End quote. Get the book cover, the complete description, and this endorsement, and of course the purchase link at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors, or in the show notes for this episode, episode 93.
From there, let's see if we have any missives arriving in the comm station. I thought I saw a flashing light on the holographic display. Once I touch it, up comes this little icon of a letter. It's actually a comment from Abigail Falanga, faithful Lorehaven slash speculative faith reader. She's reacting to that story we unfortunately had to share uh, late last year. And late sharing, by the way, it just took me a while to get to it. Uh, speculative faith is closed, at least for now. I like to call this a seasonal closing. And as I explain in the piece, which of course I'll link in the show notes, uh, no one's shutting down speculative faith. Uh, that is a great resource and has been around much longer than Lorehaven and has many, many diverse voices among Christian fantasy, sci-fi authors and others. Uh, speculative faith archive will of course still be there. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the extra time to coordinate volunteers. That site, even more than Lorehaven has been entirely volunteer driven and after the pandemic and all the lockdowns hit in 2020 everybody including myself uh, just found ourselves pretty strapped for time uh, i just started this podcast and was doing a lot more with lorehaven and we even even after that i kind of stepped back from speculative faith and even after that we had to stop doing the lorehaven print issues so Lots of changes uh, with the society changing, but we still want to hold on to our purpose here. And as I say here, speculative faith might return. Uh, it has died before, uh, maybe was only sleeping, who knows, uh, but then was resuscitated. It was brought back to life. It had a regeneration like the doctor. New face, uh, some new voices, uh, possibly some new actors uh, jumping around the console of the TARDIS, uh, but it's still the same speculative faith that you know and love. That's what happened before in 2010. Who knows? Maybe that's what will happen now. Anyway, Abigail uh, sounds a note of at least temporary grief as well as optimism. She says, quote, I'm sorry to see speculative faith closing down for now. Ever since I discovered it a couple of years ago, I'd enjoyed many articles and series there and even had thoughts for articles of my own that I hoped to pitch, talking incidentally more about fandom than writing. However, this certainly sounds like the right decision at this time. I'm sure our great author has his own plans for the future, both of spec faith and of all our other endeavors. End quote, and you can't endorse the sovereignty of God enough for me. Really appreciate the comment, uh, Abigail. Uh, for any of the questions about speculative faith or Lorehaven or the ever popular, can I write for you type question? Uh, we're trying to answer all of those uh, more faithfully than we have before and more consistently. If you go to lorehaven.com slash about, you can get all of those fantastical answers to questions. Here's another comment from Stephen Smith. Uh, he shared this remark in reply to the announcement about the Lorehaven Guild opening on New Year's Day. Stephen says, quote, this is on my calendar, so looking forward to it. This site is an oasis in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I appreciate that comment so much, not just because it sounds like a psalm, uh, but because it is very, very encouraging. And uh, I saw this comment, too, and it's optimism even before the guild opened. And you never know what will happen when you try to add a new feature uh, right there on a holiday. But it seems to have been timed pretty well. Uh, anybody who has a resolution to read more books this year, find the best books to read and read them in community. That is what the guild intends to do. Help you go on a quest with other people, like-minded quest party members, uh, not just sitting in the room reading all by yourself with or without your herbal tea, uh, even though you obviously would have to do that before going on a quest as well. We want to exist side by side with that individual reading life, broadening it out to community. Final comment here. Uh, this is actually in response to Shannon Stewart's article. I mentioned uh, it was very Middle Earthy, my title uh, or description rather, uh, for that live stream. Uh, we did a lot of Middle Earth coverage last month because of the 20 year anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring. Shannon Stewart uh, wanted to jump ahead to the, uh, the second and third film, though, more of a celebration of the film trilogy and the books as a whole. 
Her article was called Theoden King from the Lord of the Rings shows how we live in a world of loss. I loved this article and so did Lisa at Digging for Myrrh who commented, quote, ah, you are so young to be so conversant with truth, Shannon. Kudos for a terrific piece. End quote. I, of course, must second that. All these articles, news, announcements, and what's-its will be linked, of course, in the show notes. Next on Fantastical Truth. Last year at this time, Lorehaven went all digital. New articles every month, podcasts on Tuesdays, reviews on Fridays, plus news updates and other resources to help Christian fans explore fantastical stories for God's glory. We will survey which of these stories made the biggest impact on you and catch up with the creators of some of these stories who react to your reactions. Meanwhile, now that we've entered a new year, we hope you will resolve to find and read the best fantasy, the best fiction, whether or not it's made by Christians, but we also hope that you'll keep an open mind. There are some amazing stories out there in fantasy, science fiction, and beyond by Christian creators. We want to find them at Lorehaven. We want to explore them for delight and with discernment. And we would love to have you join us in the Lorehaven Guild by subscribing free at Lorehaven. Come into the castle, have some tea, enjoy the community, and let's continue to seek and find his fantastical truth.